are here and you are listening and this is the um, episode 10 of Coffee with Crime podcast. I'm Lewis. And I'm Alexi. And this is a very special episode. It is very special. it is our 10th episode. Mm-hmm. So it's we, a lot of work doing a podcast. It's it, fun, but I mean, it's, uh, it's um, I, I guess, especially for you, a lot of preparation and stuff. And so um, we started out doing this and every week and it's, um, it's just, uh, it's just fun to prepare for, but um, yeah, we're really going to try to do this once every week, but it's, uh, I, I feel like life is not going to get less busy as things begin to open up again after the shutdown. And so um, it's, I think right. I, but yeah, we really want to try to keep this going and, um, and we have a lot of momentum to help us do that. Uh we, um, I'm really excited because I started contacting roasters in the, uh, in the U S and just, uh, you know, cold calling them, cold emailing them, I guess, and saying, Hey, um, we have this podcast called coffee with crime, explain it, you know, sending them a link and saying, would you be willing to donate, um, a bag of coffee for our podcast? And I've been really very pleasantly surprised with the response and um, and we we are getting some donations in from several roasters already, and so that those will be the ones that we will be discussing for the uh, for the future episodes. Um, and the first company to get back to us, and the and the first company to send us coffee was La Colombe, the uh, L A C O L O M B E, based out of Pennsylvania, I think Pittsburgh. Uh, sorry, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and not only did they send one, but they sent us three beautiful boxes of um, coffee, and uh, and very impressive because I didn't I didn't realize until maybe last year or something that they were like structurally uh, actually a fairly big company. I had just been to a few coffee shops in Chicago, and I actually thought they were based in Chicago. Oh, okay. And so I just didn't know very much, and I hadn't researched it. But then last year, someone was telling me or was, like I was hanging out with a friend and and he had um like one of those iced coffees that he had gotten at a gas station and it was it was from La Colombe and so um and and then I realized their distribution even though they don't have a lot of cafes I think it's just the major cities in the US that they have actual brick and mortar cafes in but they do a lot of they they make a lot of coffee and I was looking on their website they do a lot of nonprofit stuff all over the world and um so they're they're really a, a pretty big company and they make a lot of coffee and so knowing that it makes it even cooler that they you know got our email and and sent us three boxes of coffee it's um, really cool very impressive <laughs> So what we have is a medium roast um, called Niza or Niza Niza maybe, um, which is named after the hometown of one of the co-founders in Italy. Uh, that's where his hometown is, um, called Nice Italy or Nice or sorry, I don't know how to pronounce some <laughs> European languages. But um, and 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 again, I think I'm saying La Colombe right. I think I'm pronouncing that. Hope hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. The second uh, coffee we have is called Lioness. Uh, it's a medium roast. And um, $2 from each of those uh, ones that they sell goes to the Women's Rights Project. Um, this is a thing they're doing for, for Women's History Month, um, up to $50,000. They're making a donation. 
for that. And then uh, the they gave us a darker roast called Corsica. So I brewed one. Um, I, I, I just asked for coffee. You know, the, they definitely... Um, went above and beyond sending us three whole 12 ounce bags of this but uh but the boxes are 100 percent biodegradable that's very important to the company and the bags are um not 100 percent, i don't think but they're made by a company called biotray or uh, i think that's how you say it that uh is uh very environmentally friendly so that's a, a very strong value for this company as well and um yeah and and the and the presentation is just beautiful the artwork on these on these labels on these boxes is is really beautiful and tasteful and and simple. This is so cool that they sent us all Isn't three it? of these. Yeah. I'm really impressed, I have to say. Um for for a large company to respond to to someone who, you know, I mean, our podcast is pretty amazing, but I mean, it's not like <laughs> we we're, we're we're a household name yet. So, um I thought it was pretty cool. Um I um I have tried all three of them. I just, I just didn't want to take up so much of our time today because I know you have a lot of cool stuff to tell us too, Alexi, um, about the crime today. So I, I did pre-taste things. Yeah, but, at, but talk about them because I mean they're, yeah. Well, sure. Um, the uh, yeah, the 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 Nitsa, uh, I'll say it that way. Um, I, again, it's named after the co-founder's hometown in Italy. Um, it's, uh, the, the regions are Africa, South and Central America, and, um, it's just a nice smooth coffee, um, had some nuttiness. The Corsica, the darker, they call it darker roast. Um, I'm not sure their reason for saying that, uh, maybe it's it, probably cause it's not their absolute darkest roast. Coffee can get pretty dark and, uh, to the point where like the bean is almost <laughs> black, but, but, uh, this one is a darker roast and, uh, and you know, to be honest, it was a little too dark for me. I am a more of a medium roast guy. So where I found my sweet spot was the lioness, um, that, uh, that coffee, that's the medium roast that they sent us. And, uh, it's, it's got a, a, a nutty sweetness to it. It's mm. really, um, I, I found it to be the my favorite, the most f- flavorful of them. Um, one of the tasting notes is burnt caramel in that mm. one. And and I and I definitely was able to taste that. And and I try to taste coffee before I read the bag too much because you don't, I mean, you don't want to get influenced too much by that because if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Right. And, uh, and if you're thinking really hard about birthday <laughs> cake while you're, t- <laughs> you're drinking coffee, you might, you know, that might uh, lead you astray a little bit. But I really, yeah, the lioness was my favorite. All of them are good. Um, and, uh, and so I'm going to be drinking, um, lioness while we, um, while we do this and, uh, and, and on the notes on the back, the, the darker roast was actually noted for being one that goes well with, with cream. And so as a uh, person who drinks their coffee with cream and crime, uh, you, you went ahead and went with the, uh, the Corsica. So everybody please check out La Colombe if you see them, their coffee somewhere, um, Drink it and enjoy it. And uh, again, one just one more time before we get into the crime. Thank you to to them for sending, yes. sending this thank coffee. Thank you so much. And I I really like all of them. I think they're, they're all, all good. really good. Yeah, there's not not a bad coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, they're great. So yes, thank you to them. Mm, yeah, and thank you for doing all that and for putting out your tasting notes and everything. Oh well, so sure. That. I know I was you know interested <laughs> to hear it. So. Thank you. Oh, another thing. It's our 10th episode. Yes. And we, um, I mean, I think you had this idea, actually. So tell us about it. Um, so we so we wanted to do something special for our 10th episode. So if you haven't already, 
Um, go to our Facebook I, page. I actually checked, and yes. no, we don't have any reviews yet. Oh, okay. We have no reviews, oh, so this will be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So go to our Facebook page, <laughs> like it, like us. Um, Coffee with Crime podcast on Facebook, and then if you go ahead and leave us a review. Just whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to be five stars. It can be an honest review. Um, you will be entered in our drawing to win a Coffee with Crime coffee mug. And these are really cool Designed by mugs. Cuning Arts. Yes. They're really cool. It has our logo on it. We're drinking so. out of them right now. And yeah. uh, you want one of these mugs. So Trust just, me. Yeah, take a few minutes. Just write us a quick review. We would really appreciate it. Should we do like, um, for when we're entering the people that leave reviews, should we do like one entry per star <laughs> i'm just kidding i mean i guess we could but i think that's like kind of cheating a little bit yeah it is um that's i think that's bribery in some form so yeah um yeah everyone who leaves any star review yeah. will, will be entered and we will um on on the next episode episode 11 that we will re- be recording next week we will literally take the names we'll put them all in a hat we will swish them around and close our eyes and we'll pick a name and then the lucky winner will receive in the mail a um a, an official coffee with crime podcast mug designed by cuning arts so yes we're very excited about we that. are excited it'll be fun it'll be yeah. a fun in fact you know what right now while you're listening to the podcast <laughs> um you know everybody multitasks on their yeah. phone or ipad or computer go ahead and just go to that uh, coffee with crime podcast facebook page give us a like and uh give us a review to let you know let us know what you think of the of the show yes all right on to crime on to crime <laughs> you're, so you're smiling so big <laughs> Uh, I love crime. <laughs> I'm going to take a big sip of this Corsica coffee Yum. before I get started. Here I go with my lioness coffee. Ah, so delicious. All right. So today, now kind of by popular demand, I've decided to do an older case again. Okay. People are seem people to be like enjoying the those. older ones and yep. they're you know they're interesting to do. Like mm-hmm. the research on it is just a lot different. Right. You know. Um, so this particular case takes us to Tow River County, North Carolina. Whoa. Is this bef- So this is actually the oldest case we've done so far. It took place in the eighteen thirties. So wow. I think the case we did a couple weeks ago was like eighteen mid eighteen forties. It was and, and Rasputin was early nineteen hundreds. Yep. So Yep. So this yeah. is the oldest one that we've done. So, Which is funny. I, I think of anything in Russia as being like a hundred years older than. Yo, yeah, I, don't I, know, know, I don't know why, I but know. the whole story of Rasputin sounds like it's from like the twelve hundreds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But uh, no, this that's this is way back. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it's so like I said, this is from the eighteen thirties, and it, it was kind of hard to put together in a way because this story. I mean, it's been passed down through generations, and there weren't really a lot of great records on things. So a lot of this story is basically what's been told to people throughout the years, you know? And obviously, there's a little bit, like, as far as, like, the legal stuff goes, like, you know, there's records for that stuff. But, so, yeah, I mean, but it was interesting. You know, there were descendants, um, and I'll get into the story more, but descendants on both sides of this family that's involved in this story and they really were the ones that you know have done all this research and put things together Hmm. um so a lot of what i you know a a lot of what this is comes from their research okay so you know there was some videos on youtube and different things that Hmm. they've you know kind of compiled so Hmm. yeah um 
so I tried to put the details together as best as I could. I mean, there's a bit of variation as the story goes on, mm-hmm. you know, little things. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and get started with this. Let's do it. So this is the story of Frankie Silver. So Frankie Silver, she was actually born Frances Stewart. Um, everybody called her Frankie. That was just like her nickname. Hmm. Um, so there's no exact record of her birthday. And I've seen, in every source I've seen, she was born anywhere from 1810 to 1815. Okay. Which is kind of a wide range. But based on when she got married and everything, it makes the most sense that she was born in 1814. That's kind of where I narrowed it down. Okay. So she was born in North Carolina. Um, and she was born into a poor mountain family. So her family, you know, they didn't have a lot of money. They, she grew up in the foothill, foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And her parents were Isaac and Barbara Stewart. They lived in a small shack. You know, that's where she grew up. You know, she grew up, though, and she was a really beautiful girl. She was charming. They say she was a really good dancer. So she had a lot of, you know, Suitors. attractive <laughs> qualities to her. And there are also some mixed stories about Frankie's education. So uh, some sources say that she was illiterate, that she didn't really have any schooling. And other people say that she, because she wasn't born in the Appalachian Mountains, she moved there a little bit later, that she had some schooling. So she, there's some variation there as far as that goes. Um, But this will actually be important later. So that's why I mentioned that. The the uh, literacy. the fact of her yeah. like education and all that. Um, so when she was a teenager, she was probably around sixteen or seventeen. She met and married a young man named Charles Silver. Now Charles Silver, he grew up in the Tow River area of North Carolina, and he was the son of a preacher named Jacob Silver. His mother had passed away uh, just shortly after he was born, and he was raised by his father and his stepmother Nancy. And they, his uh, father and stepmother went on to have, I think, like eight or ten children. There's, Which was the style at the time. Uh, yeah, that was pretty pretty <laughs> normal at the time. So uh, Charles was known around town to be just like a really great hunter and trapper. So mm. that was kind of like what he was known for. And he was also the life of the party. So Charles mm. liked to get his drink on. He was <laughs> handsome really handsome. I saw a picture of him and he was <laughs> extremely handsome. Wait, what does he have? <laughs> okay, I'll have to look, I'll have to look look him up. <laughs> and he was very popular with the ladies. Okay. So, you know, that says a lot about Frankie, you know, he meets her and you know, he thinks that she's really something Ken, special. Ken and Barbie. Exactly. So, at 18 Charles married and I believe Frankie was like 17 at the time. So, he marries Frankie. Okay. So, um in some Stories. They say that Charles, you know, obviously I, I mentioned earlier that Frankie, some people say she was educated. Uh, Charles was not. So when they got married, he was he couldn't read or write or anything like that. So people say that Frankie would teach him how to read and write because it was important to her that her husband knew how to do those things. Mm-hmm. So about a year later, um, Frankie and Charles had a daughter and they named her Nancy after Charles's stepmother because, you know, he really loved her a lot and they got along very well. And the couple and their daughter lived in a small one-room cabin. So it was very modest. You know, they didn't have a lot, but they seemed like they were a happy couple, Okay. you know. Um, so, you know, 
Frankie was a good mother to Nancy. She was a good wife. She kept the house clean. You know, she cooked. She did all the things that a good wife should do, you know, did all those things. And Charles, you know, he worked really hard. And by all accounts, you know, he was a really good father and he adored his daughter. It's hard to see a crime here. I know. So that's the end of the story, and everybody lived happily ever after. (laughs) If only. (laughs) So there's some different theories about what was going on during this time. So again, the couple has been married now for probably a little over a year. They have a young baby. Um, And a lot of people say that Charles began to kind of go back to his old ways. He was starting to kind of Mm. like see women and get around town and, you know, do his thing. You know, just being a good old boy. Mm-hmm. And some people say that Frankie and Charles were having disagreements because Frankie's family was planning on moving out west and obviously wanted Frankie and her husband and her baby to join them, but Charles wouldn't do it. He had no desire to move out west with Frankie's family. Okay. Do so, you know why they wanted to move out west? Um, Because they had relatives that lived out west, and they just thought it would be like better opportunities okay. for them out that way. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they were trying to do yeah. out there. Um, And then some people say that Charles was drinking a lot, and he was abusive to Frankie. Hmm. So... I don't know which one of these is true or if any of them are, or maybe it was kind of like a combination of all three. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You know, this is all kind of hearsay at this point. Mm-hmm. So in December of 1831, um, just shortly before Christmas, Charles was planning on going on a hunting trip. So he spent the evening chopping wood so that Frankie and little baby Nancy would have plenty of wood to keep them, you know, to keep the little cabin warm while he was gone. Sure. So the next morning, uh, Frankie saw Charles's parents. They lived very close by. They lived just a couple minutes down the road from Charles's family. So he sees, Frankie sees his parents and they ask him where Charles is. And she told him that he had gone across the river to get some feed for the animals and he would be coming back the next day and that she was going to take the baby and go and stay with her parents for the night. Hmm. So a few days passed and no one heard anything from Charles. So his parents, you know, his father were starting to get worried, you know, wondering where their son was. And, you know, they asked Frankie, you know, where's Charles? You know, I thought he was coming back, you know, after a night or whatever. And she basically said, well, I don't care if he comes back or not. Like, I'm mad at him because, like, he's been out drinking and, you know, Mm. screw him, basically. So... Charles, um, Charles's father, Jacob, and Frankie and a friend went to the cabin where Frankie and Charles lived, and Charles's dog was there, which was kind of odd because Charles took this dog with him everywhere, hmm. and you know they figured if he had gone across the river for the night, he would have taken his dog with him, mm-hmm. but and the dog was carrying around a coonskin cap with which was. Um, <laughs> What? For a second, I thought you meant it was like wearing it. <laughs> That'd be so cute. Oh, that would be cute. A little dog wearing a Daniel Boone hat. But it was just carrying it around in its mouth. It was mouth. carrying it around in his mouth. And it was Charles's hat, and it had blood on it. Ooh. So right away, his dad is like, this is not right. Yeah. You know, his dog is here. He's carrying around. He's wearing <laughs> Charles's hat. hat. Yeah. Um, 
And so he notifies the sheriff and tells him that, you know, my son is missing. We found his hat. It has blood on it. I think something happened to him. So the sheriff is kind of like, you know, taking his sweet time working on this. You know, he's got other bigger fish to fry, I guess. So meanwhile, his father is getting more and more worried. So he actually, he knew of someone who lived in Tennessee, which was about 40 miles from where they lived. Okay. So... He knew this guy who owned a slave who was a fortune teller. So Jacob Whoa. decides to take well, some, Okay, right. This is before Civil yeah. War, before Emancipation. Yep. This is really long. Wow. Yeah. It's so weird to like talk about a case that has like these kind of things in it. Yeah. It's, like it seems like, I mean, it's so long ago. Right. <clears throat> but um, so he ends up taking a group of friends and they go, it takes them a couple days to go to Tennessee and they talk to... Sorry, I just lost lost my place. No, that's fine. Hang on. Take some drink some coffee. Taking a sip. Okay, here we go. So <sighs> he they go across, you know, to Tennessee and they talk to this, you know, slave who's a fortune teller, and he tells them that he thinks Charles has been killed in his home. <clears throat> so they go back to North Carolina. They take the sheriff to the cabin and they start looking around. And at first, when they go in there, it, the cabin looks spotless. Mm. Looks like someone spent a long time, you know, just like really cleaning up their cabin mm. just to make it look real, you know, <laughs> real, real nice. <laughs> so they start looking around and they find a weird, greasy substance in the fireplace. Like something that just like does not look normal. And along with that, they find a bunch of bone fragments in the fireplace and like around the fireplace. So huh. they end up lifting up the floorboards and they find blood under the floorboards. So it dripped down, but it was yes. so cleaned the, above. Yeah, but so not the floor below. is clean, but I mean, someone didn't think about lifting yep. up those floorboards. See, you always got to think about that. Li- always lift up the floorboards. When you, when you <laughs> commit a crime and there's blood, <laughs> please remember to c- clean all surfaces, even below. Exactly. Come on, people. <laughs> I mean, I know I, this was a long time ago, but. I have to say, this isn't where I expected them this case to go when you started telling it. I thought it was. Ch- I thought she was going to be the one that ended up dead because oh. he was, yeah, so I, I'm already very surprised by how, okay, this, is, good. how this is going. So um, do tell more. more. to come. All right, so, and then they also found an axe near the fireplace. Okay. Just, you know, kind of set it, you know, setting, sitting, sitting. Leaning against <laughs> leaning, the wall or something. <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> uh, leaning against the fireplace. So... They're like, okay, this doesn't look right. Yeah, you know. So then, I mean, bone. Yeah, bones. I don't. I, right. I don't. And think I mean, that I guess you probably... could say like maybe it was like animal bones, but there was just too much weird stuff. Yeah. You know. So the dog starts like, basically like, walking around the area around the cabin mm-hmm. and the dog it was charles's dog mm-hmm. so like, frankie's not home at this point i believe frankie was here at oh the time. i think she so was they kind of came him. in almost like well, hey we have a warrant to search i don't think frankie was home then i think she was still staying with her parents and then i believe she went back to the cabin with them okay when they went to go look i think that's what happened okay so the dog ends up leading them to a hollow stump 
And inside the stump, they find Charles's head. Whoa. So then the dog is leading them down the river, and they find a bag of, like, random body parts. What? Like, organs, basically. So Weird. stuff that probably wouldn't burn in a fireplace or stuff that would be harder to burn. Right. So... Obviously, Charles is dead. Someone's murdered him. Yeah. So they arrest Frankie. Hmm. And this is the story of what, you know, basically they say happened. And some of this, I think they probably put together just from, you know, evidence, whatever evidence they had at that time. Um, And then later from other things that I'll get into. But basically, this is the story of what happened. So after chopping wood that night, Charlie came in, he had dinner, and then he took a nap in front of the fireplace. So Frankie, while he was sleeping, she's like, this is my opportunity. It's going to happen. So she takes the axe and she tries to chop his head off. So she swings the axe and it doesn't chop his head off. It just, it hits the side of his head Mm. or the side of his neck rather. And he wakes up. And so she yeah. she takes the baby and she runs and she hides under the covers of her bed and she can like hear Charlie in the other room and eventually he dies. Just bleeds from out. His, yeah, yeah, from his wound. He bleeds to, bleeds to death. So then she comes out of her room or I guess it's a one room. I don't know. Out of her corner yeah. or wherever she was. <laughs> and she cuts his body into four pieces places his head in the log and then burns the rest of him in the fire and then the parts that she can't burn because like imagine so much moisture in the well yeah plus like in order to like incinerate somebody that fire would have to be so hot and it would take forever yeah Yeah. so i mean this must have been like an all-night project the idea but yeah that would never work yeah wow but so some you know obviously she takes these parts and won't burn she puts them in a bag and she hides them under a rock so near the this river. is their hypothesis after finding the evidence and arresting her yes okay. yeah and then i think part of that came later but yeah basically this is a story that they put together okay so yeah she was arrested and her mother and her brother were also arrested <laughs> and i'm not sure exactly why they were arrested except that they must have assumed that they participated in some way um, but they were let go pretty quickly. There was, I guess, no evidence or whatever. Okay. So they take her to the courthouse and where Frankie pleads innocent to the crime. Um, but the prosecutor basically made the case that she was a jealous wife, that, you know, he was probably, you know, or she thought he was seeing somebody else or whatever. And that she had probably been planning this for months. So while he's giving that you know, story of, you know, events or saying, you know, that she was jealous. She yells, that's not how it happened. But she was silenced because at this time, a person accused of a crime, they could not testify in their own defense. Hmm. So she was not supposed to say anything oh, about this. So it was a crime for her to even say anything. Probably, <laughs> yeah. If she, if she had kept talking, they probably would have, I mean, I don't know what they can <laughs> yeah. slap on, but right. more than murder, premeditated <laughs> murder, but... Um, but the law ended up be- getting changed in 1857 to where you could testify okay. in your own defense. But at this time, you could not. So she was, within a matter of a few days, she was found guilty and she was sentenced to death by hanging. 
So eventually, after a while, and I'm not sure exactly how long it was, probably a couple of months, she eventually confesses to the murder of Charles. And I think that's probably where the rest of the story comes in, where she ran and like sat in her bed or whatever. Um, And she said that he was abusive and he was trying to kill her. So she basically did it in self-defense. So... Once she confessed, there were a lot of people in the community that were petitioning for the governor to pardon her. They wanted to set mm-hmm. her free because now, you know, they she had confessed to it. They saw her as this, like, abused woman, and mm-hmm. they just f- felt sorry for her, you know, kind of felt like she was backed into a corner and maybe had no other option than to mm-hmm. kill her husband and then <laughs> chop him up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So... Um, there were a lot of appeals during this time. So all this stuff, like the petitions and the appeals, it pushed her hanging date back. So it kind of kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And eventually the appeal, all the appeals and the pardon were denied by the governor. So he decided okay. he was not going to pardon her and she would be put to death by hanging. Hmm. So around this time, her father actually bribed the warden of the jail to leave her cell door unlocked one night. Do you know how much money? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And the father, I mean, he was poor. He didn't have a lot of money at this time. But maybe everyone was poor, so. Yeah, I mean, maybe anything would have been like. Just a couple bucks. Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) So the jailer leaves the door unlocked, you know, whatever this guy gave him must have been enough for him. Hmm. So the father um, and then her uncle and her brother end up breaking her out of jail one night. So they cut off, she had like really long blonde hair. So they end up cutting off all her hair, which women did not do Mm, at this time. mm -hmm. And they dressed her like a man. They put like man's clothes on her and a man's hat. And then she left town with her uncle and her brother and they were headed towards South Carolina. So they were trying to basically, you know, disguise her and then flee, flee town. So a couple of days later, while the sheriff, you know, obviously she's gone out of jail. So now the sheriff is looking for her. Yeah. So a couple days later, while the sheriff is looking for her, um, he's he, you know, I guess he's in a wagon at this point. Yeah, they would have had wagons that they would have. With horses. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he goes past a field where he sees some men playing ball. And he notices that one like of the... baseball? Um, I think they were just like throwing a ball around. <laughs> okay. Like maybe like a... This is like uh, TV at the time. <laughs> yeah. watch, watching, watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> so uh, he notices that one of the men, one of the men is catching the ball weird. <laughs> <laughs> like not in a normal manly way, but like in maybe like kind of like a dainty way or okay. something. So he j- it catches his attention because he just thinks it's weird. <laughs> Sounds like he doesn't have enough to do <laughs> examining the catching styles of men playing ball in the field. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's trying to catch this, you know, escaped convict, and he's just, you know, watching these dudes yeah. play ball. So then a little bit later, he sees the dainty man walking, around, walking along the road. So he has a, a feeling that it's not a man at all, that it's actually Frankie. So he Whoa. he goes up alongside where this person is walking and he says Frankie, where are you going? And Frankie or this person 
says in a like a deep man's voice, my name's Tommy. <laughs> and Frankie's uncle, who was next to her, says her name is Tommy. Oh, no. Yeah. So the sheriff is like, I think at this point he's just like laughing. <laughs> really? Because he's like, this is ridiculous. So he's like, okay, you know, the jig is up. And he yep. takes Frankie back to jail. Wow. Why didn't they just leave? Why'd they stay in town and play ball? I think they <laughs> they were out of town at this point. Oh, oh but the, the sheriff, sheriff was, the his sheriff, jurisdiction he, was all the way out He must have gotten a tip or something, oh, you know. Okay. There's a man playing daintily. Right, playing daintily. exactly. And, and I think that maybe they were playing ball just because they were sick of like running and they just decided to have a little fun or Yeah, you know, I mean, people people in quarantine sometimes just want to go outside and go for a walk that's or right. ride their bike. And so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of when you're running from the law, it's kind of like uh, your own quarantine. Exactly. So I just thought that was so funny. The uncle just like totally. Her name is Tom. It. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So they take Frankie back to jail. So the day of the hanging arrives. Um, it's July 12th, 1833, which is about a year and a half after the murder. Hmm. Which is um, nowadays quite common for someone to go months, years. Years on but death row. Back yeah. then, I'm, I mean, it's, without knowing too much, I'm assuming that it was a much shorter time frame. If someone was convicted, then it's just like, all right, hang them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, now it's, it's not unusual for somebody to be on death row for 30 years. Yeah, sometimes their whole life. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So at this time, though, it was like... So a year and a half is a long time. Probably. Because for... there were, you know, there were all those appeals and everything in between. Yeah. So, I mean, back then, yeah, it was probably a long time. But, I mean, in today's world, you probably wouldn't even go to trial before right. a year and a half. Right. So, so there's... A, um, and I guess this is sort of folklore, but, you know, it's kind of one of those stories where people don't know if it's true. But people, some people say that Frankie composed a ballad, and it's known now as the Ballad of Frankie Silver. And it's a really long, like, mountain song. Wow. I have the lyrics here. I'm not going to sing it. But if you want to look it up, um, you can find it. Read, read me a couple lines of the lyrics just okay. to give an example. All right. I'm, it's super long. I'm going to yeah. try to find like a part in the middle that's a little more interesting. So it kind of tells, the idea is it tells the it story. It tells the story of what happened. Song. Okay. Yeah. The Ballad of Frankie Silver. All right. I'll go ahead and sing, just, a, just, sing a little bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The jealous thought that first gave strife To make me take my husband's life For months and days have I spent my time Thinking how to commit this crime Wow And on a dark and doleful night I put the body out of sight With flames I tried to him consume but time would not admit it done. That doesn't rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is that kind of like what you're singing right now? Is that kind of like how the melody goes? Sort. It's like that kind of like mountain Yeah, tune Appalachian. Where yeah. you can probably sing it in any type right, of tune and right. it, it works. That's fascinating. So I'm sorry for all of you that just no, thank had, you for doing had that. to that hear that. Um, really, like that's that Appalachian music is, 
is one of the oldest, you know, American music styles. And it's just like this front porch kind of like, hey, what happened over there? We're going to write a song about it. So that's right in line with the kind of thing that, you know, was common at the time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's super long. Yeah. It's super long. Like, so they say this, you know, folklore is that she sang this right before she was hung. Wow. And it's interesting because some people say, and this is where her education kind of comes into play. Some people say that she was illiterate. There's no way she could have written this very, you know, detailed, long ballad. Rhyming ballad. Right, exactly. So some people say that it was, that she didn't write it. Somebody else might have written it. And also some people say that it was printed out and sold at her hanging. So all these people come to see her be hung, and they're selling this ballad. Man, this is like a play. Yeah. Like a well, it's crazy because in these times, people would come. And this was like a. Yeah, that's I true. mean, can you imagine going to see someone? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Sounds like that's horrifying. But it was like you know that entertainment. Yeah, bring their kids, right? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, so. Somebody was making money off of the ballad, whether she wrote <laughs> Early it or not. Capitalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is where the story gets even more. I have interesting. to say, this is probably my favorite crime so far. Really? Yeah. And even without you, like I, I'm with with without wherever this goes from here, it's already to me like one of the most dramatic crimes. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean. It like every aspect of it is just like really, and it's it's kind of cool in a way, like not n- totally knowing the complete story. Yeah, I I'm, you know? I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah, this is a fascinating story. So um, I I go on, but I just had to say like even if the story ended here, I, I which I thought <laughs> it was going to just now, I was going to be like, wow, this is like despite the lack of video, lack of pic, you know, a lot right. of pictures, lack of Trial li- more li- documents footage. or whatever, <laughs> it's pr- the most dramatic crime that I have heard you tell me in this podcast so far. So, the most um, dramatic crime yet. <laughs> yes, exactly. The most dramatic in a world. <laughs> um, thank you for doing all this research and please go on and, and continue to... Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> ...to uh, unfold. So... Okay, so she's about to be hung, and they ask her, you know, Frankie, do you have any last words? So she starts to speak, and her father yells from the crowd, die with it in you, Frankie, die with it in you. What? And so then she stops, and she doesn't say anything, and then they hang her. What? So a lot of people think that the father either helped her or that he actually was the one who killed Charles. And the story of the father killing him kind of goes like this. And this is what a lot of people, especially people in um, Charles Silver's family, like his descendants, think that this is how it went down. Mm -hmm. So they say that, um, you know, Frankie's father... They wanted to move out west. Charles wouldn't go with them. And at this point, he may have been abusive. And her father was just like, let's just get rid of him. Mm-hmm. You know, We'll be done with him. Then we can go and do our thing. So he comes to her house that night. They have dinner together. And then he tells Frankie, all right, 
now's your chance once Charles falls asleep. Mm-hmm. you know kill him so she raises her axe a few times but she can't do it mm. she just she can't kill her husband so frankie's father says if you don't kill him i'll kill you so then she takes the axe and swings it down she hits him but he doesn't die so then she runs to her bed to hide and the father takes the axe and cuts his head off and they say that and again I don't know how they would have known this or whatever, but they say that he did it with such force that his head bounced up and hit the rafters. And they say there was just like blood everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then the father cut him into pieces. And then him and Frankie, you know, obviously worked together to burn him in the fireplace. You know, some stuff didn't burn. So all the rest of it is the same, the same story. But then they say that, they think the father went down to the river and smashed a hole in the river to make it look like... Oh, this is in the winter. That's right. Yeah, yep, it's yeah. December. So to make it look like Charles basically fell into the frozen river and drowned. Cut so, it, cutting his head on the ice or something. <laughs> no, they were hoping that no one would ever find his body. Oh, just you to know, create a story. Because, they, they yeah, did yeah. a great job hiding his yeah, head you, in that, that hollow log. Yeah, when you fall into the ice, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> chop your head off and, and then f- cut your body it. into four pieces. <laughs> So okay, yeah, they were okay. they were expecting that no one would, would ever find him. Right. So yeah, so that's the other story that a lot of people think happened mm. that the father was actually an instrumental part in this. Because he silenced her right before her hanging. Right. Wow. Because of that and also it's like and I'll talk a little bit more about this in a second, but I want to say um something really interesting first of all. So after the after Frankie's death, after they hung her, they decided that they didn't want to bury her in a place where people would know she was buried because at this time, grave robbing was really popular Right. because um, medical schools were starting to kind of oh. get up and running. So they would use cadavers, obviously, to, you know practice on or whatever so hopefully if you were a reputable medical school you would say like legit cadavers only would do, do, do harvard does not purchase I from know. i think robbers. that every school at this time okay, was they were robbing kind of desperate graves. for bodies yeah to, yeah interesting. yeah wow so i mean i don't think that maybe they weren't telling people, and with everyone like, so poor right if you needed extra money and you were like really hard up for cash yeah. you'd, you know dig dig up a body that no one was going to use anyway and then yeah. I, this this show is not condoning grave robbing. I'm just trying to understand the the, the standpoint of the you know what, yeah, what might have. But at this that. time, grave robbing was all the rage. Okay, it was like what you did on a Saturday night. Wow. No, I don't know. But um, so they decided to dig a bunch of different graves in the town to trick mm. people into thinking that they were going to bury her there. Okay. But they ended up taking her body, putting it in a wagon, and taking it a couple miles out of town. So whoever had the body, it wasn't her family. It must have been like, I don't know what you would call them at this time. Like whoever was in charge of like the morgue workers or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So they take her body, they put it in a wagon, they drive a couple miles out of town, and then they decide to spend the night in this other town. So the next morning, they realize that it's July in North Carolina, and this body has been all night in this, you know, 
bag. Outside wagon. Or, yeah. So they realized that bodies like start to decompose. So they decided they could not take her body back to town. They had to like get rid of it where they were okay. because they wouldn't have been able to ride in the wagon with wow. the body. So they ended up burying it a couple miles out of town. And it wasn't until like I want to say like the 1950s where they put a grave stone mm. on her grave. It was yeah, it was many 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 years later. Mm. Um, and then there is, as legend has it, um, they say that years later, her father was killed by a falling tree branch. He was outside a tree branch, fell down and like basically split his head open. They say the mother was bit by a venomous snake and died. And they say that her brother was caught stealing a horse and was hung. So after this thing all these terrible things Tragic. happen to this family and yeah. again none of that is really like documented as for yeah. sure happening but that's just what people say which is you know kind of interesting um but that is the story of frankie silver my goodness and i mean i kind of think that the father did help her with this and that's what i was going to say earlier because i can't imagine how she would have been able to do this on her own. Right. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, chopping off his head, cutting his body up, doing yeah. all this. I mean, at this time she was like 18 years old. Oh, really? She was. Yeah. So, and then I, I mean, this was a time too where, it's, you know, women didn't really have a say. You kind of went from doing what your father said to doing what your husband said. So, I mean, if her father was like, this guy's, you know, an a-hole, mm. let's get rid of him. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I don't know. So I, I kind of feel like both Frankie and Charles were kind of victims of Frankie's family. Hmm. I don't know. That's just my feelings on it. But wow. I mean, did you have a main source for the information or is it from a lot of different places? Um, It's from several different places. Okay. There was a couple different um, like interviews yeah. on YouTube, which were super helpful. One of them was kind of, was from a descendant of uh, Charles okay. Silver. One was from... So his family has kept, on Charles' side, has kept very good records. Yeah. And they, this is kind of one of their, no pun intended, like axe to grind or something. You know, like right. this is a, a, a grudge almost that they hold against against Frankie's family. Maybe. That, that, like, you know, and I think probably at this time, there's probably the not as... Burning. Much, you know, I think just, I mean, I may be, I might be wrong, but it seems like the two families are kind of at this point kind of working together to oh, they are. Okay. sort out the details okay. or, you know, um, they're, because I mean, uh, Frankie and Charles's only direct descendant would be their daughter. Right. You know, so I'm sure her family, I mean, obviously they're descendants Is, from both families. Are any so. of her daughters direct descendants uh, alive still or, or active in this um, you know i'm not sure um the guy mm. on one of the videos that i watched he was like a, a distant cousin of charles okay so and it, yeah i'm not really sure i'm not sure about that it's a good question but um yeah and then there was a book too that was written about this that i, I yeah, well sure yeah i can so. understand why yeah it's so dramatic mm -hmm. wow so i mean do you have any thoughts on it or like questions or um not that i can think of i've already kind of said everything that i was thinking about yeah it, but uh 
the thing that made me want to do this case, and I um, I had first heard about this case a couple of years ago. I had watched an episode of um, Deadly Women. Hmm. Have you ever watched that show? No. It's a good show. I think it's on Investigation Discovery. Um, basically, every episode has three different cases mm-hmm. of women who have killed people. Mm. And they all have like a theme for every episode. Okay. You know. But, um, and it's cool because they do some really old cases. They do cases from other countries. Okay. They do newer cases. So it's a, you know, it's a lot of different stuff in there. But I remember seeing this case on an episode a couple of years ago. And I remembered it because I remembered the part where her father was saying, you know, die with it in you, Frankie. Whoa. And that kind of stuck with me yeah. as like, this is like really interesting. Okay. So I, I remembered that. And then I decided to, you know, so you Go had a chance to circle it. back and now you're an expert on the Frankie Silver yeah. case. <laughs> and uh, and so are you all who are listening today. Hope you have enjoyed this. Um, yeah. Uh, any other last thoughts on that or um, impressions? No, just, I mean, just that it's sad, you know? Oh, sure. And I, you know, it's, in a way you kind of feel bad for Frankie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, because there's a lot of details that we don't know. It's, well, yeah, for, you know, especially with yeah. her father telling her that. So we don't know about that. We don't know if Charles was abusive. You know, we just don't know. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe she was just crazy. Mm. But there's a lot that we, you know, we just don't know. So it's mm. just kind of like, you know. But there's a lot that we do know that yeah. that you dug up, you know. And yeah. I think that's the fascinating thing about it is how much, uh, again, despite the lack of um, information being recorded at the time like like people through hearsay and through just finding this here and there you know that you're able to put together this whole story for us it's right it uh i mean i i can see it i can Mm -hmm. it like paints a picture i can like see you know uh in my in my imagination like this whole thing happening when you're telling the story and uh and to think about it being that far back is pretty pretty um impressive yeah Definitely. So, yeah. Hmm. So that's that's the story. That is the crime. So again, if y'all enjoyed it, um, make sure you like us on Facebook. Yep. Remember, we are doing a giveaway on the next episode where we will give away a mug with our um, logo on it. And, uh, and all you have to do to enter in that is to go to our Facebook page, Facebook slash Coffee with Crime podcast and leave a review uh, of any star amount, <laughs> and we will enter your name in. Um, today's coffee was brought to you by a generous donation of three different coffees for, from La Colombe, based in Philadelphia. We want to thank them again for doing this. Um, and I guess we will see you next time. We will see you next week, and we will be drawing our winner next week, too. So make sure you listen. That's right. That's right. All right. All right. This has been Coffee with Crime. I'm Alexi. I'm Lewis. 